Hey everybody and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver and I'm here with my co-anchor, sister and partner in crime, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey everybody. Excited to be here as always. Wonderful. For our Monday case. Yeah. Kicking off the week and yep. the month. We sure are. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, today we have a case that is a continuation. This was our group case from two weeks ago, uh, the Girly Chew case. We put it on hold for one week because there was just so much Vallow action last week. We had to, you know, make room. (laughs) Yeah, we sure did. But done and done. And if you didn't see that, it was... uh, Update a synopsis of the case thus far, so that if you're confused in the Vallow case no. of all of the main players and the stories and the sub stories and the sub 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 stories, that's a really <laughs> good place to start to uh, start understanding what the hell's going on here. Right. So, but tonight we're going to go back, or today we're going to go back to Girly Chu. So mm-hmm. if you recall, Girly Chu was murdered in 1999. This was uh, October 29th, 1999. And, well, Gertie Chu Hassencroft. I kind of like to just leave the Hassencroft out because he doesn't really deserve to have uh, his name associated with Gurley, in my opinion. So we're just going to, we're dropping him. (laughs) Yeah. So Gurley, of course, was separated from her husband, uh, Diazan Hassencroft. And mm-hmm. she had, and things have been really ugly. He'd done a lot of really uh, dishonest and sketchy things during their marriage, including uh, telling her that they'd adopted a baby, letting her raise that child for a few years, and then uh, putting him up for adoption because it turned out Diazen was his father in the first place and really had no rights to that baby. So like her heart had been ripped out by this fool repeatedly. And she yeah. was working at a bank and she had told her co-workers and a member of the FBI that if anything were to happen to her, they should go looking at him and at his girlfriend, Linda Henning. So one morning, Gurley didn't show up for work. And that was not like her. She was usually very early and, you know, ready to work. And for her to be late was just completely unheard of. And she was only 20 minutes late to work when her uh, colleagues and co-workers called the police. And the police actually went right over to her house to do They really did. A I, check. It was pretty impressive to me that they actually took that seriously. Because so often we yeah. hear the, well, she just was late for work. What's the big deal? And she's an adult. And blah, blah, you know. Yeah. yeah. Nope, they didn't. They They went right over. And things were not right. So they got a search warrant and discovered that her apartment was in fact a crime scene and they found her blood there and they found Linda Henning's blood there. Yeah. And now Linda Henning was uh, Diazan's girlfriend. So we'll get into that. But anyway, (laughs) they didn't. Is your dog dancing? Yeah. Yeah. She's not really (laughs) dancing. She's just 
walking. She's, you know, oh. circling to get comfy. <laughs> gotcha. 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 Yeah. Uh, at any rate, uh, they, they didn't find her body, but later that day, they found thrown by a roadway a tarp that had girlies' bloody clothing in them. Yeah. So they knew things were bad. They sure. Where they found her body, there were a lot of mines, like old, like abandoned old mines. And mm. they searched those mines for quite a while because they, they thought that it was likely that her body had been discarded in one of those, uh, if it had been discarded at all. But they couldn't find it. Right. And then the prosecutor tried to negotiate with both uh, Diazen and Linda over and over again to get the location of the body, but neither of them ever dropped it. And we have a theory on that. So we'll get to that tonight. So that, those are the bones of the case. And we've already shared that, but I'm just bringing you guys up to speed. Mm -hmm. So he was charged with murder, conspiracy to commit murder, a few different things. And again, there's no body, but they felt like they had enough evidence uh, otherwise that they could move forward. Yeah. And he just got scared and pretty much immediately pled guilty. Yeah, he did. And then he negotiated with them that if he could serve out his term in Wyoming, that he would turn over the location of the body. So they agreed and they made that happen, which took the death penalty off the table. And then he did not disclose the location of the body. But we believe that he's still being held in Wyoming. However, on the uh, inmate search list, I can't find him in Wyoming or in New Mexico. What name, I wonder, is he in the system under? I have tried both of his names. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is rather odd that he seems to be... Off the grid. Nowhere. Yeah. 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 Not a fan of that. But he wasn't alone in this. No. There were two other people, mostly this lady, Linda Henning. Mm-hmm. And Linda's history with him, you guys, this all, you just cannot make this crap up. It is insane. Yeah. So Linda was a fashion designer who was getting really interested in uh, UFOs and things like that. And she went to a UFO believers meeting of some sort. In the summer of 1999, and this is where she met Diazen Hasenkoft. And Christy, you got, you dug in a little deeper about the meeting they went to and the person that was speaking. So I'm going to let you uh, share that with us quickly or, or not quickly, Mm -hmm. whatever, but. (laughs) They were, they were going to hear David Icke speak. You don't know who David Icke is. He's, he's a well-known new age conspiracy theorist. He's actually a former soccer player and broadcaster from the UK mm-hmm. who <laughs> he he was told in 1990 by a psychic that he was on earth for a purpose and received messages from the spirit world, which I don't think that's weird at all. Right. That seems pretty. That seems to be, yeah. you know, kind of everybody feels that way to some extent. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, receive a message here and there, that kind of thing. But this led him in 1991 to say that he was actually a son of the Godhead. Now, I got to say, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I just thinking talking, that too. I don't if know. If he's talking Christianity, then that sort of means Jesus, I think. Right. 
or Jesus's brother. I don't know. Anyway, so he's kind of, he's a real fringe guy. Honestly, um, he's written a bunch of books um, on new age conspiracism. And he's also known to be anti-Semitic and a Holocaust denier. So Ouch. that's kind of like boom out the door as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But he he's the guy or one of the guys that started talking about this idea of reptilians. So he believes that um, there's an interdimensional race of reptilian beings. They're known as the Anunnaki or the Archons and that they've hijacked the earth and there's a genetically modified human archon hybrid race of shape-shifting reptilians that are known as the Babylon Brotherhood, the Illuminati, or the elite, and that these reptilians are manipulating events to try to keep people afraid because the archons feed off negative energy. He also claims that there are public figures, politicians, you know, famous people that are of the Babylon Brotherhood and that they're pushing um, humanity toward a global fascist state or the new world order. If some of these words sound familiar to you, okay. um, we've heard this kind of thing from some other people as well. But this is kind of where he's coming from. And so when they're talking about, you know, extraterrestrials and aliens and stuff, he's talking about reptilians. That's yeah. that's where they met. Was it a talk yeah. by him? Yes. So you may know that you know you may know about that conspiracy theory or not, but if you didn't, now you do. Now you do. So Linda was really taken with him, really taken in by Diazen, and really started changing pretty rapidly. And at the time, she had a boyfriend. And the boyfriend had, or he might have even been a fiance, actually. I think he was a fiance. He had a brain tumor and MS. And she told him that this new guy, this, this new friend of hers she just made, could cure both of those things. That he had cures that no one else has. And, you know, big pharma, blah, blah, blah. He's got it all. Right. And, of course, uh, you know, the, the fiancé is pretty skeptical of that and goes, I don't know about this, you know. So he gets, he talks to him on the phone and he tells him very confidently, oh, yeah, I can heal anything. I can heal anything that's wrong with you. It's no big deal. We'll just take right care of that. And he just thinks it's weird. So she he asks for his qualifications. And just, you know, out of curiosity, I'd just love to see what your background is, Right. So he sends over his curriculum vitae and the fiance hands it right over to a friend of his that is a private investigator. And of course he discovers that nearly everything that he's set listed is a lie. You know, you mean he's not a doctor and a geneticist and a former CIA operative. He unfortunately was none of those things. I am stunned. Or any of the other nonsense he was claiming to be. Right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. 
Yep. So if things are just getting really weird with her, she's way off. She's just not herself. And so that's the, the position of the boyfriend is that, she, you know, or the fiance, former fiance, I should say. But at any rate, that she she really kind of lets her business go. She was a successful fashion designer. And she's just really basically doing what she's told at this point. So it's under his spell. Very much under his spell. And that's what her family says, too. Like, she just turned into a completely different person over the course of a few months. So she, they find her blood at the crime scene. And so, of course, they are both indicted and brought in. Mm -hmm. And she is quite haughty, quite uh, arrogant and haughty in court. And... She even does a crime TV interview after conviction and before sentencing and is really uh, sassy about the judge. And like, she's just really not helping herself. No. In the meantime, Diazin, who's already pled guilty and is serving his time. He says, cause it took forever. This, the murder happened in October of 1999. She wasn't sentenced. Until April of 2003. Yeah. It took four years for justice to be done. Three and a half years. And so, you know, he's been sitting his butt in jail for quite some time. And they bring him as a witness. And he says she had nothing to do with it. He promises. And he's got a reason why her blood is found at the crime scene. First of all, he says it really wasn't her at all. That helped him. It was the other person who was involved in this. And I cannot find his name to save me. Miller. 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 That's right. So he says, Diazan comes into court and he says, she didn't have anything to do with it. Miller had organized a group of, uh, of men who were getting ready to fight the New World Order, a militia. And the militia really needed some practice killing human beings, you know, to be ready yes, for the new world to fight back. Yep. So, Diazin, being that generous guy he is, he offered up Gurley and allowed them to kill her to practice their skills. He said this in court. This is what he tells uh, the defense when they call him as a witness yeah yeah let's say witness yeah. <laughs> so obviously linda didn't know anything about it this was just between the two of them well the problem is linda's blood was at the scene which makes them think that linda was definitely there and involved you know right. as you do mm-hmm. so he had so they ask him about the blood and he says oh yeah well, I have an answer for that. I, I'll tell you exactly what happened. He says, they were not supposed to leave any blood evidence in the apartment. And he was supposed to just come up later after the murder was over and just see if there was anything that needed to be taken care of. And there was blood in the apartment. So being the there geneticist. There were a lot of bleach spots, weren't there, in the carpet and stuff? Yeah. Well, being the geneticist that he is, he thought that he could bleach all that blood throw some other blood in the carpet that was someone else's that wouldn't 
and that would confuse the genetic code, he said, because he's not a geneticist and says stupid things. Nor is he a forensic scientist. But he wasn't going to bring Linda's blood. Initially, he grabbed some blood of someone else, another woman he knows. Because remember, dude was a scam artist pretending to be a doctor, and he had vials of random people's blood. People were letting him take their blood to experiment with and take a look at. You know, and he was curing all of those women of cancer with his amazing injections of vitamin B6 to the tunes of thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. So so he says that he has random woman's blood in a vial in his pocket and it breaks on his way back to the crime scene. Tragedy. What will we do? Luckily, he just ring out his pocket around the room. I don't know. Right. I mean, because everybody has a vial of blood in the fridge that belongs to some random person that you can go put at a crime scene. Sure. Uh, No. Yeah. I mean, vials of blood sitting around. That seems normal. Anyway, he panics because he doesn't have any other blood except for guess who's? Linda Hennings. So he goes back and he grabs Linda's blood and he comes and he throws it around the apartment because that's going to confuse the genetic code and take them off the scent of Gurley. That was his idea. Between bleach and extra blood, he was going to make it all okay. Good Lord, he's an idiot. Mm -hmm. This is the story he tells. Mm-hmm. Well, the court thinks that he's full of the bullshit. Yeah. And they find her guilty on everything. Yeah. And they sentence her to life plus 42 years. Yeah. And she accuses her counsel of bad counsel. He, she accuses the judge of, you know, being unfair. She accuses the courts of all kinds of things. She just keeps appealing and trying to fight. Her family says she should not be held accountable for this because she was under the spell of Bison. And, you know, they try all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And, but they, you know, she was spared the death penalty, with, which was really the best kind that she was going to get, yeah. you know, honestly. But uh, back in, clear back in 2006, they went back to court again. And the court yet again said, yeah, no, you are staying in here. You are guilty. So, mm-hmm. you know, she pretty much wore out her opportunities to try again. But mm-hmm. she really, uh, you know, she ruined her own life without a mm-hmm. doubt. But she also helped take another. But she would not would not give them the identity or not the identity, but the uh, place where the body is. No one mm-hmm. has been told this. So here's something that came up. That uh, at the time of trial, that really uh, caused a stir and upset people. Mm-hmm. So the prosecutor says that at least four people told them that she consumed the flesh of Gurley and uh, drank her blood in a part of some kind of a ceremony that they did after she died. And that's why they can't find her body, because it was cannibalized. Yeah, we think that her body was a little apart. There just isn't really anything left. Mm -hmm. It's not as though there's an intact body buried somewhere. That's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not wanting to admit that, but 
Mm-hmm. No. Yep. So it she was telling people this apparently at the jail. She told two inmates and two nurse practitioners. Yeah. They actually didn't bring that evidence to trial because it was already a really sensationalized case in the press and they felt like that would make it worse. Mm-hmm. But they did make that comment later on and it really set the case, set things on fire. Her attorney was really mad, you know, went kind of Mark Beans-ish yeah. on the whole thing. But, mm-hmm. uh, but that was said, you know, and so it's brought that next level of is there cannibalism in this case? And yeah, we believe that there was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, there was something at one point that Dyson said about that there were these chemicals released into the blood when someone is terrified that are really, really important because they'll, you know, make you live forever or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was that they would scare girly horribly before they killed her so that then her blood would have these particular hormones in it yeah and then they drink it yeah gross you guys this case Mm -hmm. is gross but it it kind of brings to light some important stuff that i think needs to be brought to light that there's this kind of underbelly in the metaphysical community around some of these beliefs that you know yikes and we're seeing some of them get dangerous you know? we, we are. I mean, a lot of this is still coming this around right now. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we've been seeing, you know, these kinds of beliefs still um, impacting the metaphysical community now. And this mm-hmm. was 20 years ago, you know? Yeah. yeah. So just something to be aware of and mm-hmm. just to know that, you know, things got taken incredibly too far in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did Miller really have some militia he was forming to fight the new world order. I think he probably did. Did he come and kill Gurley? I don't believe that's true at all. That he did have two charges that he that did stick, but they were both charges around damaging the crime scene. Yeah. After the fact so stuff. But the not, fact. Yeah. They, they didn't have any proof at all that he had been involved in the actual murder. Mm-mm. Not that I'm not sure about that, but, you know, yeah. the they did at one point actually charge him with murder, too, but they couldn't make that stick. Mm-mm. So Nope. Nope. So, you know, was he more involved than just uh, messing around with the crime scene? I think it's very likely. Yeah. But this is a really huge case because it's rare to get murder charges to stick when there's no body. Really rare. Yeah. Yeah, and very yes. much so. But this case, uh, this really pissed off Albuquerque, you know, Mm -hmm. people were very upset about it and it really uh, made the rounds in the news and in the neighborhoods and people wanted justice. They were demanding justice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they still really haven't got it. I mean, yes, they've been convicted, but the actual story of what happened and yeah. where are Gurley's remains? You know, those things, those questions are still not answered. And, you know, Gurley's um, family lives in Malaysia. And so they have not had any really ability to do anything about this. Yeah. 
So she, there wasn't a lot of advocating on her side, except of course, you know, the police and the courts is exactly what they were doing. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just a sad thing. I mean, but we've got some serious, serious problems with the, you know, behavior of people in this case and the beliefs, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and Dyson had this not happened he was on the road to being some kind of crazy cult leader. I mean, I really think that's where this was going for him. He was, but he was also on the road to being charged anyway. Because yeah. Because the FBI was in the middle of investigating him yeah. for all of the medical fraud that he had wrought upon people. Because yeah. don't forget that he was taking thousands of dollars from people and injecting them with vitamin B6 and telling them that would cure their cancer. Yeah. So it's likely that he was going to be going up the river anyway but it sure is sad that it was at the expense of Gurley who sure yeah. did not deserve any of this well and the little boy Dimitri I oh, mean yeah. this guy was so destructive to people it's just yeah so Dimitri was of course adopted and um, I read an article written by the person who adopted him and she says that as soon as he turned 18, she dropped out. He dropped out of her life. Uh, mm. Very emotionally damaged kid. From yeah, how could he not be after horrible choices? Yep. The, the, yep. the damage that they did to him. I just, this case for, for Gurley and for Dimitri, you know, mm-hmm. evil, evil people. Yeah, really evil people. It's but just very interesting. Bad. I have a question for you because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Linda was the most wonderful woman. She would never do such a thing, blah, blah, blah. She was just under Dyson's spell. Do you think that's true? Or was there a part of this already in Linda? Oh, I think there was a part of this already in Linda. I I think a couple of things. I do think that Linda was suffering some kind of a hormonal shift in her body, that she wasn't right emotionally because she was going through something that had her Mm -hmm. a little off. I think there was a part of her that was kind of predestined for being a follower and not just a follower, but um, a super follower, you know, acolyte. Mm -hmm. Yep. The one that will do anything for you. The one who was desperate to fit in with them and to be a part of them. So, yeah, I do. I also feel like if you were to talk to people that she went to high school with, you'd find out she was a bit of a mean girl, that she's just being this big, sweet, kind angel that, you know, people are claiming her to be has a little amnesia on it because I don't think that's entirely true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Interesting to just think about how vulnerable we all could be, you know. Mm-hmm. sometimes to to the right person. I mean, she blew up her entire life for him and ended up serving more than life in prison. Right, and she only knew him, you guys, for a few months. Yeah, this was not like a long, long oh. relationship. And he was cheating on her the entire time they were in a relationship and engaged to a couple of other women. <laughs> just... Right. I mean, he was still married to Gurley at the time. Yeah. He, they, they weren't divorced yet. He was... Dating Linda and and a fiance to two other women. Yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable what he was doing. But at any rate, um, and I don't know. I mean, had she found out that there were other fiancés involved, maybe they would have 
their lives could have been in danger too. Mm -hmm. I think that that's true. You know, it's very weird to me that he didn't pin all of this on her. Right. He didn't. I sort of thought he would, you know. Yeah. Quite the opposite. He told the courts it was not her at all. Well, but he was proud of what he'd done. You know, he. Yes. You know, he said that she ran like, you know, that that girly ran like a scared rabbit and that they hunted her down and killed her like the dog she was. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? His wife. I mean, that's what, what he said. Right. Well, that's what he said when he was in court. Right. But then, of course, when Linda was in court, he told a totally different story. Mm-hmm. That he wasn't present and neither was Linda. Right. It was all Miller and gang who did it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Such a chameleon of a human, you know, he was. Well, he was such, he was very anti-government. And I wondered if he did that because he was hoping that he could confuse the legal process by refusing to testify and and telling a whole different story. Because what does he care? He's already in prison. Like, it's not going to change for him. I feel like Mm -hmm. this was more about trying to provide some misdirects that might create some seed of a doubt in the uh, the jury, you know, for As her. though he had any power whatsoever, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it, but he always thought he did. I mean, yeah, he, he always thought he did. He fell for his hype in a big way. But boy, when it came right down to it, no, he did not have any power at all. No. So there you have it. That is the second part of the murder of Gurley Chu. And... You know, hopefully that helps everyone, you know, understand a little bit better how this went sideways and mm. kind of who these folks are. So, you know, Linda Henning is still in prison in uh, New Mexico and will be for the rest of her days. And Bison mm-hmm. is in, we think, Wyoming. But we're not sure. Not sure. He, went, he had two different names and mm-hmm. he's not showing up under either one of them, which is very strange. He's not, which is odd. So we'll keep looking at that just because now it's struck me as weird. I'd like to find the inmate records so that you know exactly, you know. All right. That shouldn't be that. What you're looking at. No, they're usually not hard to find. But in this case, they're nowhere. And they both have options to search for inmates. Yeah. And Hmm. I run both of those names, you know, triple check the spelling, nothing. So. I don't know. Maybe one of you guys will be better at it than me and pick him right up. And if you do, let us know. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we know for now. So Mm -hmm. this is our Monday case. We will be back tomorrow on Tuesday with a brand new case and another brand new case on Wednesday, working Mm -hmm. on a really big and important MMIW case this week. Christy's got some really powerful stuff coming. And and of course, Wednesday we'll be back for case updates. (laughs) More case updates in the Vallow case. However, before Wednesday night, Wednesday day, Chad will be arraigned and we will live stream it here from this channel and Mm -hmm. uh, make a few comments afterwards. So watch for that too, Wednesday during the day and then Wednesday evening case updates. I thought you said for a second that we were going to make rude comments after the fact. (laughs) Maybe that's just what I was thinking in my head that I was going to make some rude comments. I don't know. That'll probably happen. I mean, probably we, 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 we're a little heavy on the snark with some of these guys and, <laughs> and you know, resting toad face and pals definitely I mean, fall into they that category. really bring it on themselves. It's yeah. very hard not to have that. Oh, my goodness. Sorry, guys. Sorry. 
And then, of course, Thursday night, the Psychic Hour. So lots of great radio and, uh, well, radio, <laughs> old habits die hard. Lots of great uh, podcasts and videos yet to come this week. So like, share, subscribe if you are drawn. And come see us over at truecrimeparanormalpodcast.com. You can visit our Patreon that way and become a patron for some extra content. You can check out our merch. You can follow us on Facebook. And, of course, at the bottom of the page, you can always suggest a case. We're yeah. always looking for cold cases and MMIW cases that we can take a look at. So Most definitely. Thanks so much for being here, you guys. You have been listening or watching to the <laughs> Psychic Sisters uh, here with True Crime Paranormal. Take care. Thanks, guys. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is 